Okay, this is Gary Parrish again from CBSSports.com. Again, it's now uh, late Sunday, December 7th. This is the Eye on College Basketball podcast uh, brought to you by Squarespace, which recently launched a version of its platform called Squarespace 7, which has a completely redesigned interface, integrations with Getty Images and Google Apps, 15 new templates, and a feature called Cover Pages. If you want to try the new Squarespace, go to Squarespace.com and enter the offer code FUN at checkout to get 10% off. That's Squarespace. Start here. Go anywhere. Okay, big weekend in college basketball now in the books. Really started Friday night, I guess. Uh, That's when Kentucky... I beat Texas at Rupp Arena. I was there for that. It's when Kansas uh, came from behind to beat Florida at Allen Fieldhouse. Then on Saturday, Arizona got Gonzaga in OT. Virginia won by 17 at VCU. Uh, Michigan lost to NJIT. Miami lost to Green Bay. St. John's won at Syracuse. Then tonight, uh, Creighton wins at Nebraska. Norlander, I'll start with you. Uh, what's the biggest story from this weekend? Um, To me... Good to be talking with you guys again. Uh, to me, I would think, uh, I think Zona beating Gonzaga, and I know we've all probably got plenty to say in that game. Um, listen, Gonzaga, to anyone that watched it, and the game happened in the midst of obviously a huge college football Saturday, but Gonzaga had outplayed Arizona for probably, I mean, in win OT, so that's 45 minutes of game time. I'd, I'd say about 35 of those 45 minutes, Gonzaga was the better team, uh, and it held the lead from, like, the 15-14 mark, when the score-wise, of the first half until Arizona took a lead and wouldn't relinquish in overtime. Um, I had said it on Twitter, and I think I said it on the podcast, to me now, Arizona, barring, you know, uh, a brutal injury for the second year in a row, which we don't think will come, as long as it does what it's supposed to do, uh, this means that it's going to get the one seed in the West because Gonzaga is probably the only team that could have otherwise challenged for it, and now Arizona has the trump card. So kind of weird to say that a one seed might have been on the line in December, but I think when we get down to it and we look back, if Gonzaga has any sort of chance at a one, it's not going to be there if Arizona does what it's supposed to do and manages five losses or less. That's fair, but like, um, let's point out that – you know. The West, the one seed in the West doesn't have to be from the West. I mean, if they're if no, they're, it's just geographic. Yeah, but know. but like if Arizona shows itself not to be one of the top four teams, it will not be a one seed right. in the West. Right? I think uh, that it will. Yeah. I yeah. Think no, I I agree with you. I think that it will. I mean, um, um, we thought they were going to be good. Um, they look really good. Brandon Ashley was. Um, I don't know if he was terrific, but he was knocking down jumpers and like looking like and you know a future NBA player. Uh, Stanley Johnson had moments. Rondé uh, had moments. You know, TJ. You know, it made plays late. Um, it's just a really, really well put together uh, basketball team. I don't think anybody disputes that. What people will often debate, um, sometimes um, in a silly way, but but again, the debates happen. Is what does this mean for Gonzaga? I, I, you know, listen, it's a loss or so whatever, but. I walk away from that game more convinced than I was before that Gonzaga's legit this year. And yet, I, you know, I saw some stuff on Twitter where people were like, same old Gonzaga, here they go again, you know. And I just think that's a little silly to fall into that trap because that that's a, like you said, a basketball team that was um, winning um, in Tucson for for much of the afternoon. I know what the final score was, and a win's a win's and a loss is a loss, but that was a that was a good performance from Gonzaga, wasn't it, Sam? How about this? How, how, real quick, I mean, honestly, let's speak pragmatically. A foul should have been called on the final play of regulation. Yep. Domus Sabonis yep. got absolutely wrecked underneath the rim. You know, he's That's what probably going to make one of two. Uh, I understand that Byron Wesley just absolutely gasped in OT. Oh, man. I mean, have you ever seen pressure? You ever seen pressure? Like, listen, we've all seen... 
you know, guys miss free throws under pressure. Like, you know, Darius Washington probably being the most famous. Um, but, like, I've never seen somebody miss that badly under pressure. I mean, like, it sees a 75% free throw shooter and with the game on the line just comes out and completely, like, air balls. Like, I don't know that – I don't remember that kind of moment under, you know, in a, in a pressure-filled free throw situation. Like, did that yeah. even hit the net? I don't even think it, the shot think hit the net even. It might have barely drawn a breeze on the net. Um but yeah, I just wanted to point out. I mean, Sabonis should have should have gone to the line, and yes. he probably would have won. And then yes. it changes the whole uh, perception or conversation we're having here. And just generally speaking, yep. if Gonzaga goes into Arizona, gets a win, it's going to be ranked, you'd think, top three, top four, you know, at the very worst. But anyway, go ahead, Sam. Um, yeah, I mean, pretty much everything that you just said was what I was going to bring up. Uh, I came away pretty impressed with both teams. They that was a very high high energy, like kind of like a tournament game, honestly, and it was played as such. Um, Arizona's defense is incredible again. There's nothing else you can say about it. Their length, the way they pressure ball handlers. Um, man, Brandon Ashley just is all over the place on that end. He made life hell all day for Sabonis. He made life a little bit more difficult for Brandon, a or not uh, uh, Brandon Ashley, Kyle Wilcher. I think Wilcher shot like, 17 shots and only had like 14 points or something it was just a really really good performance from that team and they're gonna play they're probably gonna play a lot of ugly games they're not gonna be particularly fun to watch but that is a really really good team that Sean Miller has yeah and I don't want to turn this into another podcast where we're just all talking about how we actually believe in Gonzaga we've said all that before but um again it should be um made clear if, if the refs call that foul where Sabonis was fouled uh they win the game there and even without that foul called Wiltshire had a shot at the buzzer that like if it falls and that's you know like it, I mean he's a good shooter like it could reasonably fall if it falls they win there so um I, I think those are clearly the two best teams in the west and yep. um either is good enough to to make a final four maybe both won't but either is good enough to make uh, a final four it kind of overshadowed on uh Saturday uh, because of college football and because of Air Arizona Gonzaga, um, was I thought another really intriguing matchup, and that's Virginia at yes. UCU. Thank yes. You. Okay, and yes. so so Virginia okay. goes in there and like you know wins by seventeen, and that's not easy to do for a variety of reasons, and um, it, it gives us a, an excuse to talk about Virginia and some. I don't know if people have been tweeting you guys, but, you know, some Virginia guys every once in a while will say, hey, you you never talk about Virginia on the podcast. Could you talk about Virginia on the podcast? And that's fair because, like, let's be honest, we rarely talk about Virginia on the podcast. They're the reigning ACC champions. They're a top 10 team. I usually roll my eyes at sort of the chip on their shoulders fans, like whatever. Everybody thinks everybody thinks their favorite team's always disrespected. But I am interested um, in this because it is true that relative to their accomplishments, I don't think people talk about Virginia very much. Um, ACC champs, um, you know, top 10 team right now, and I don't know how many people actually like spend time discussing Virginia. So I'm interested in what you guys think of that. Norlander, I'll start with you. Why don't people talk about Virginia more? Why don't we talk about Virginia more? Uh, inherently, it's a team that I guess lacks general sex appeal because it relies on defense so much. I I would submit that Tony Bennett is very sexy. Oh, hey, that's <laughs> and isn't that the greatest irony? At all? And listen, Tony Bennett is undeniably um, a, a beautiful man. Okay, I'll say it right here on the podcast. Let's think about this for a second. How is it? Is there a is there any more of a contrast in college basketball between the sex appeal of your team? And the yeah. sex appeal of the coach of that team. I know. And what makes it even funnier is like Tony Bennett is like, you know, just hands in the dirt, good soul, goes to church 
church, like just a man of faith kind of deal. Um, and yeah, he's, he's a sex god among coaches, let's be honest here. Uh, but uh, listen, I, I think it, they don't produce – Sam, can you can get to Brogdon here in a second. Um, but for whatever reason, and I guess the obvious reason is they don't put up 77 points a game, they – Bennett's systems, and you look at wherever he's gone, they aren't prone to giving you a lot of – a lot of offensive stars. And when you don't have that in college basketball – if you don't have, and listen, I don't, I'm not calling uh, Havoc a gimmick, but it's got a brand to it. VCU's Havoc, you know, it, it, Shaka is a very energetic, outspoken coach. Um, with that, I think that's why we don't talk about him. And they're also overshadowed in their own conference by now four, four programs and coaches that are, you know, Syracuse, Duke, North Carolina, Louisville. All those guys are in or going to the Hall of Fame. So with that, that's that's probably the, the shortest answer I can possibly give you. But I did want to – I'm so glad you brought it up early in the podcast because we should give them credit. And I'm going to let Sam talk on uh, maybe Brogdon, Virginia in general. But once we're done with that, I do just want to briefly hit on VCU because, in my opinion – they're they should not be losing by 17 at home to Virginia. No, no they shouldn't lose by 17 at home to anybody. Uh, let's get back to Virginia for just a second, though. I, I think all the things you said are, are right. I, I, I was asked, um, beat writer, the Iowa beat writer from the Des Moines Register um, called me a few weeks ago. And um, when Iowa's getting ready to go to New York, right, they were playing, I don't remember who they were Texas playing. Texas and, yeah, it was okay. that whole yes. Cal, yes. Texas. Texas, yeah, and, yeah, that, Syracuse, Texas yeah. and Syracuse, whatever it was. And he said, hey, you know, what? A, um, what's the national, you know, he was like just doing one of those stories, setting it up about like, you know, Iowa's going in Madison Square Garden. And you know, honestly, like I, I was a beat writer once upon a time and I wrote that exact same story. And so he was just sort of wanting to know the national reputation of Iowa. And I was like, you know, there really isn't a national reputation of Iowa. Like, you know, like, or like he was like, what do people think about when they think about Iowa? I was like, well, people don't really think about Iowa probably too much. think about Fran McCaffrey throwing chairs. And no, we honestly, actually, like, yeah, no, we actually did talk about that. Like if you, yeah. if you were to say like uh, word association, Iowa basketball, it'd be like, you know, their red face coach. And so uh, we got mm-hmm. into that, we got into that a little bit, but I, I made a point to him and I, I, I think it stands true here. If you want to have a national reputation or have, you know, people on a national level focus on what's going on within your program, you either have to be like a blue blood program, you know, like North Carolina is going to get attention whether they're good or bad because it's a story whether they're good or bad. Same for Kentucky and Kansas and so on and so forth. Outside of that, you better have like a, um, a you know, a rising star coach or some sort of, you know, some sort of big personality coach, you know, that'll help. Um, like Tim Miles, I, I think fits into yeah. that. They get some national attention yeah. because Miles is such a, a big personality. Outside of that, you better have like you know some some star college basketball player like Jimmer Fredette or like um, Doug McDermott. McDermott last year, Steph right? Curry. Yeah, yeah, Steph Curry. Like we'll pay attention to that. Or you better have a top tier NBA prospect because we'll pay attention to that. And so you start looking at Iowa and I was like, okay, or you better just have like a track record of NCAA tournament success, you know, sweet 16s, final fours, all that stuff. So I was, you know, talking to him and I said like, okay, so like what, which box does Iowa check of all those? Do they have like, um, all this NCAA tournament success success? No. Do they have, um, awesome like college basketball players who like, you know, are all American candidates and all that stuff? No. Do they have like, you know, guys who are showing up in lottery of mock drafts? No. So like, what is there to pay attention to? And I think on a different level, like it's the exact same thing with, with Virginia. Like, um, yes, what they did last year was awesome and they seem to be awesome again this year. But, um, you know, Tony for his coaching brilliance is not 
a big personality. Like, like, can you remember one thing Tony Bennett's ever said in his whole life? No, and he doesn't seek it. Like, no, like that's the thing. Like, I'm not even trying to be like funny here. I'm just saying, like, he's he's a very even killed, smart, thoughtful guy. But he just really, you know, you you never read some quote from Tony Bennett and you go, oh wow, I can't believe he said that, or I can't believe he opened up like that. So there's that problem. Then you know, Virginia's not like a blue blood program. I mean, it, it is overshadowed in its own league by North Carolina and Duke and Syracuse and Louisville, and then. Um, they have no great college players. I mean, like we could we could debate what a great college player is, but they have no guy that demands you 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 gotta watch him. Focus gotta on watch. his yeah. yeah, none of that. They have no M- NBA obvious NBA, which is kind of the basis of what Sam wrote in the preseason right. on Brogdon as it is. Right. And I'm gonna actually challenge you on that now and they because. Have- Justin Anderson is eighth right now and uh, right. Ken Palm Player of the Year. All right, I want he you... throws down dunks like crazy. Okay. He's fun to watch. Like I want you to tweet that right now. And, <laughs> and, and, and I, in fact, I want you to tweet this in the next twenty seconds. Ever, all of my followers, tell me who Justin Anderson is. <laughs> nobody knows who he is. All right, nobody knows who he is. Okay, that's I mean, fine. That nobody not... knows who he is. Well, I that's my point. point that's here. my point. I don't. I'm not debating whether he's really, really good. I'm just. I'm just telling you, nobody knows who he is. And uh, like if Justin Anderson were were like in your living room right now, your girlfriend would not know who he is. She would have no yeah, shot. Well, my girlfriend is an Australian who doesn't know anything about basketball. Okay, okay. <laughs> how about this? I got five my, five of my best friends who watch college basketball every night because they're degenerate gamblers. If Justin Anderson <laughs> walked into their living room, they would have no idea who right. he is. That's my that's point. Fair. That's my I think point. that's fair. Okay, so so they have no guys like that. It's just they no have, draw. GP they, like they have no obvious about they, two different things. Like, yeah, they have no know. obvious NBA prospects unless you like love Mike Toby for some reason. And then and then um they play like I know it's sort of cliche to talk about Virginia play slow, but like they play the slowest. Like they're they're t- it's th- they're ranked 349th out of 351 Division one teams in in tempo. Like 349 out of 351. And so um I guess I guess my my thing is like. Once you say Tony is a great coach, and once you say what they did last year was great, and once you say what they're doing right now is impressive, what else is there to say? Where do you go? Yeah, what do you say after that? You write a Malcolm Brogdon column. That's basically what happens. I know, right? This is what I do. Yeah. <laughs> and the and the gist of it, the gist of the Malcolm Brogdon column, like they're all rooted in the same thing. Like, hey, people need to you know about this guy. Yeah. <laughs> they're all rooted in the idea that nobody knows who he is, which is sort of like understanding, uh, uh, underlining my point. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, I mean stand I, but, up for stand up for your team, Sam. Yeah, okay, yeah. Sell me on it. Tell me, tell me once once I say Tony Bennett is awesome and for what Virginia did last year is unbelievable, and they might even be better this year. Once I say those things, like, all right, now what else? What are we talking about? Sell me so on about, it, Sam. Okay, then where you go is you talk about the defense. This is, in my opinion, the second best defense in the country behind Kentucky. They are allowing teams to only shoot. 37.4 effective field goal percentage. The average is 48%. So they're 10% below the national average. It's terrible. It's, it's sleep-worthy. I'm That's not me snoring. That. That's me snoring while you're putting me to sleep. It's absolutely true that they play a very boring basketball style. They're 330th in offensive possession length, which is crazy. <laughs> like You would think that even, even if they just don't allow teams to get shots off, then yeah, their, their tempo is going to slow down because... Uh, they're playing great defense, but they just play slow on offense too. Sure. Like it's, it's not a fun team to watch. I'll say that. <laughs> You're I not doing. It. Hold on. I asked you to sell me on. I Virginia, can't sell you on. And you said them. they're not it's a they're fun not team, team to watch. watch. I can't sell you on watching them. They're not a fun team to watch. <laughs> but they execute 
better than maybe any other team in the country. I agree with that. Like, they're they're diehard fans. Enjoy. Like, in fact, my brother yeah. coaches, you know, eighth grade AAU ball up here in, in Connecticut, in Newtown. And he texted me out of nowhere. Uh, no, not out of nowhere. He was watching Virginia, and he was just, he said, this is, he's, study, he's basically studying defenses because he wants to really get into this and really know. And he's like, it is unreal what Virginia is doing and how they operate their defense. He kind of just texted me out of nowhere. So, yeah, I mean, that's basically, yeah. if, if you're going to enjoy Virginia, you, you better just be, you know, writing about the sport, just a diehard or you're a coach. That's basically what it comes down to. And that's fine. Right now, listen, you want to just expand it just a little bit? Listen, Virginia's 9-0. They were one seed last year. They've got a schedule overall that's not that great. But if they're able to get to the ACC play without a loss, which they probably will, they get Cleveland State, Harvard, and Davidson should win all those. Sure. If they're able to do damage in the ACC again, which is understandably, uh, a, you know, dude, a, hey, I talked projection to a, that we should accept. No, then yes, I, I talked, it could be a one or two seat again. I talked to an odds maker today, like a guy who used to, um, you know, set lines at, at like Caesars in Vegas, and because I was asking about a, you know, a, um, hypothetical line on uh, Kentucky Duke on a neutral, and. Um, he actually said, I think Virginia is the best team in the ACC. Like, this is an odds maker. Like, his, his livelihood is, is reliant on this stuff. And mm. he, he said, I think Virginia is the best team in the ACC. And actually, I believe right now, the Kimpom. It's Duke, said, Virginia, Louisville, 2 3 4. Okay, right. Yeah, right. So they're Duke's all just ahead of them. Yeah, so they're all um, right there. Let me be clear. I'm not one of those guys who says, oh, if you play slow, you're boring. Like, I'm not that guy at all. Like, I, I can appreciate what Bo Ryan does at Wisconsin. I can appreciate what Tony does at Virginia. I just think that. And, and then we'll move on. I, I think that, you know, when people, for, it's, it's not people, like it, it's, it's just Virginia fans wanting to know why, you know, people aren't talking about them more. Um, I, I'm not trying to be like funny or anything. Like I just, th there's not a whole lot to say after you say the obvious because they don't have that, that household name college basketball player. They don't have NBA prospects. They don't have this dynamic big personality coach. Um, and then they don't have the, whether it's a fast style of play or a gimmicky style of play or whatever, like the, um, these boxes that, that usually um, are checked if, if a program like Virginia is going to get a lot of attention, um, they're just not checked. But, you know, winning can, can overcome uh, all of that stuff. And I do genuinely believe there, uh, yeah, if, if, if the point you were making, Orlando, is that they, they, it's not, there's nothing silly about picking them to win the ACC, I agree. I don't think there's anything silly about picking them to win the uh, okay, ACC. Okay, so... What about okay? So real quick, let's just go to VCU. Okay, mm -hmm. they were six overall in defense last year on Ken Palm. They're sixty third right. right now, which yeah. is, to me, that is mind-boggling. When you consider just how many juniors and seniors this team right. has, it's really weird. Um, they and it does not get easier. They should, they should, in my opinion, should win their next three games. But they can also lose any of their next three. They get Northern Iowa at home, a team a lot of people think will actually challenge Wichita State in the Valley, and the Valley could get two tournament teams. Northern Iowa has been really good this year. That's you know, VCU gets a, a week to prepare for another uh, undefeated team, and then they get Belmont at home. Should win it, but Belmont, obviously, my man Rick Bird, he's a uh, fantastic, <laughs> probably the best coach in college basketball right now. Then they got to go on the road against a to-be-determined Cincinnati team that's sixteen six and one, but we really don't know what Cincinnati is. This could be a situation where Shaka, former Florida assistant, could be mimicking what the Gators are now three and four doing. There could be just a, an odd, uneven start to the season. What are we thinking is is up with VCU? And 
I mean, are we still thinking that they're going to be the best team in the A10? Well, I mean, I, I, I yes, I th- is my simple answer to that. But they don't look like it right now. Um, it, it's uh, nothing shameful about losing to uh, Virginia, but like getting run off your own court, like that's you know there was a reason the point spread was basically a pick. I mean, it was basically a pick 'em, right? I mean, uh, they weren't supposed to get run like that. And it's what I never understand when teams struggle defensively a year after they were good defensively and most of those dudes return. Like, that doesn't ever make any sense to me. Like, that should just sort of, right. uh, you know, like maybe if your go-to scorer is gone, then your offense could be a little different because you're running it through different guys and shots are coming from different places. But if you were awesome defensively one year and, the, and most of those dudes are back, I don't understand how you could be poor defensively. VC, and so VCU is one of those. God, there's somebody else the other day I was just talking to somebody about. And it's another team that, Basically the same sort of deal. Um, they were really good def- or pretty good, really good defensively last year. Returned basically everybody, and they're just terrible defensively this year. I can't remember mm. who it is off the top of my head, but like, um, so VCU is not alone. But it is. I don't make sense. Sam, can you make sense of it? What What's wrong with VCU? Um, I think it's their half court de- or yeah, half court defense. Uh, they're giving up a lot of open threes. They're struggling to close out on shooters. Once they get past that havoc, it's Teams are just able to basically have free reign with shots, and that's a major problem that Doster, Chaka's going to have to change. GP, you had Rob Doster on the yeah. Thursday podcast, and Doster actually took some flack um, for writing that you know VCU and Shaka and this Havoc scheme have actually peaked in terms of being an effective system. I, dis- I still disagree with him, but his point was that the kind of style that VCU runs is always going to basically guarantee it you know, a very high win percentage against programs ranked outside the top 50, but against, you know, top 50 programs are better. They're going to struggle and, and inconsistently win. Now, there is there's some faulty logic when they're there because you're basically saying you're not always going to win against the best teams, obviously. Yeah, I think, yeah, any yeah. program on the level of VCU right. is going to win inconsistently against top 50 programs. Exactly. So, yeah. and I gave, I gave them some grief on that <laughs> overall. I think there might be a little bit of truth in that, but I also... I, you know, I don't want to give Rob too much credit here because I think what Virginia does can really tailor itself to so well against what VCU does. I just it was the first time since 2010-11 season that Virginia had lost a home game by double digits, and I don't think you know they didn't lose one at all period last year on their home floor, and I, I don't think anyone saw this coming. So it's just an interesting two weeks here for for the Rams who are. Frankly, you know, facing a, a year of a lot of big expectations, Travion Graham could be the all-time leading scorer in program history when it's done. Brianto ever should break the all-time record in steals. This is obviously a team so many people realize Shaka's never won a league ter- uh, regular season title. Right. That's, you know, kind of lingering over him. So just, you know, VCU fans are, are probably as worried right now or at least uneasy as any Top 25 fan base outside of Syracuse and Florida, I would think. Uh, perspective. Perspective, I think, is important. They do have three losses. That's not ideal. But, you know, one of them to, is to a veteran Villanova team. The other one to a veteran Virginia team. And the other one was in a true road game. So, like, it's not... Against uh, Old Dominion, uh, NBS. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but it, an Old Dominion team that beat... An LSU team that beat for, uh, West Virginia. Now, I'm not saying it's great. Listen, they shouldn't lose that game. But, um, you know, I can, like... I'm not ready to give up on them yet, right? That's, Neither am I. I just yeah. don't – I guess – go ahead, Sam. Go ahead. Here's the other thing. The A-10 right now is pretty down. Like, it's not a good league. It's actually been a pretty sneaky bad league so far, I think. Like, Massachusetts got out to a great start. They've now lost three in a row, including a game to Florida Gulf Coast. You've got 
Dayton, who looks pretty good, but hasn't really beaten anyone yet, I don't think. Um, got Richmond, who maybe is lying in the weeds. But outside of that, uh, George Washington was supposed to contend St. a little Louis bit. St. Louis got absolutely and, smacked by Wichita State right. yeah. the other day. George Washington yeah. lost to Seton Hall. Um, yeah. it's, it's it's an okay league. It might be Definitely. a one-to-two-bid league again. Like, I, it's... It's I, not strong. I uh, just remember the, the other team I was talking about that was good defensively last year, basically returned the important pieces, and they're bad this year. Kansas State. Oh, really? What in the world is wrong with Kansas State? They've lost four games already. Have they really? They, okay. Yeah. yeah I, I, dude, I don't know. They're four and four. They were they top 25-ish you know, in the preseason. They've lost to Long Beach That's State. Right. They've lost nothing wrong with losing to Arizona, but they get beat by 23 yep. Against yeah. Pittsburgh, they lose to Arizona, and then they lose at Tennessee the other day. And it was a one-point loss, but it was like a fluky sort of ending where that was basically a 10-point game in the final minutes. So, like, um, last year they were top 20 in defensive efficiency. Right now they're 108. I, uh, that's another one where if you were good last year and, and the you know, most of the pieces are back, like, what is uh, – how do you get off to this kind of start? It's just strange to me. That's that's a that that you know that's, that's a, a weird, weird one. one. That's you know what we also we get a few teams that go each way each year right. in terms of like Kansas State was seen as a fairly safe nondescript tournament team in that eight to eleven seed range. Right. Every year we get one or two that they just they go off a cliff and and they're just gone. Uh, if if they don't do anything in Big Twelve play, they're gonna have their chances. Big Twelve's a really good league this year. They could be, uh, they could be gone. But a lot of it, you know, it's not just Marcus Foster who's their best player. Um, they've got some older guys on that team as well. I don't know. We'll we'll see. Let's they talk- did lose Southwell. I'll say that he yeah, was a right. good that- defender for them last year. But GP's sure. right. Like they're, it doesn't really make sense that they should be this bad defensively. Right. Let's talk about a good defensive team. That's uh, Kentucky. Sam, you mentioned uh, Virginia, maybe the second best defensive team in the country behind Kentucky tonight. Uh, Kentucky beat Eastern Kentucky, and then the EKU coach uh, called Kentucky uh, the best defensive team in the modern history of uh, college basketball. It's a well-timed quote because I'm actually working on a column on Kentucky's overwhelming defense um, after watching them overwhelm Texas in Lexington on Friday night. Norlander, is it reasonable to call Kentucky the best defensive team in the modern era? Uh, I mean, you can call it to be on pace for it. Um, I, I definitely want to just wait a little while longer before we get there. Um, they're pretty good. I mean, I, I was very impressed with Texas in that first half. Kentucky's ability, um, something definitely to track going forward, to come out of halftime. First of all, they've held uh opponents in five games to a half where they've scored 15 points or less this year mm-hmm. i believe is the stat, stat i saw sorry i can't credit it i don't know where i saw it i think i saw it um sunday morning but anyway it's it's ridiculous uh that should not you you might be able to do that for a season in a really good year we're not even to uh the 12 days of christmas and kentucky is already just romping in that regard a lot of it is the hype but it's not just the big men i mean the the team overall is is so well-built physically and, and clicking on cylinders that a lot of Calipari teams have needed, frankly, two or three months to get to. That's not that's not the issue this year. Um, the way that they were able to shut down Texas after Texas killed them on the boards in the first half and still won the uh, the percentage battle, um, that was that was really good. I, Sam, I know, is, is pretty, you know, if you're that impressed with Virginia, obviously Kentucky's tops, tops in the field. Kentucky's defense is incredible, and, Gary's right. It's or I think it might have been Norlander. Now that I think about it, um, saying that it's the perimeter defense. The perimeter defense is 
incredible. It's almost impossible for anyone to get any sort of penetration. Like Javon Felix was swallowed up by the Harrison's mm-hmm. length by just Tyler Eulis's general pestiness. Cause he's an incredible defender despite being five foot nine. Um, and then you also have the best defensive player in the country, in my opinion, and Willie Cauley Stein, who they're just letting loose on wings now. And it doesn't even matter. Like he can guard anyone from two through five at this point. No, no, what they, I mean, they make talented offensive teams so uncomfortable. Um, and I, so I talked to Willie Colley Stein about this the other night and, um, you know, he, he was, he talked about LaDante Hinton specifically. And he said, um, he said, you know, I, I, we watch film of him and he's like making all these shots and doing all these things. And then we played him, and he wasn't doing any of that stuff. Like, he wasn't even trying it. And and he was like, you know, he said, there was one time, like, I went back to a huddle. I'm sort of paraphrasing here, but this is basically what he said. And I'm like, why isn't this dude trying any of these things? And and the answer is because of him and because of, you know, uh, you know Dakari and because of uh, Carl uh, Towns. They just... Um, I, I think, you know, after just a few minutes of being on the court with them, you realize how big they are and how many of them there are, and it gets into your head. Like, I think it genuinely gets into players' heads where they stop even trying to attempt shots um, that they would otherwise attempt based on um, they, they know that Willie's going to be uh, there or somebody's coming from the help side or um, – you know, I, 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 I've never seen a team. Listen, the statistics will be what they are at the end of the year. Um, but I've never seen a team physically overwhelm other good teams the way this Kentucky team is doing right now. Nope. They're first, they're allowing teams to shoot under 30% from two point range. Right. I've never seen that. Oh, you yeah, can't score. You cannot score inside the arc no. on them. Like that's over with. Like, I, listen, I think they will lose at some point. But you will have to beat them from the perimeter. You will have to hit. He's going to have to hit at least eight threes in a game. You yeah. would think if yeah. it's going to get to that yeah. point. If, if um, you're, that's why the whole Texas beating them thing never really made a whole lot of sense to me. Although Texas played them competitively. Well, yeah, I, I actually that game played out honestly. If I could have you know written out how I thought it would play, out. Texas will keep it close. They'll have the length. They'll do well on the boards. Ultimately, Kentucky's going to wear them down because they don't have Isaiah Taylor, and that's basically what happened there. Texas should feel no shame for the way that it played. It, it did about as well as it could do in a road game against a defense like Kentucky. So if if you could ever look good in, in a 12-point loss, I, I think that was the way that you can do it against Kentucky. No, like Rick Barnes sat down afterward and um... – like we're not writing game columns anymore. I don't know if people have even noticed, but like, so we don't. Um, there is no rush to like file right after the game because you know for a lot of different reasons, um, the higher ups and I, I tend to agree with them. Uh, just don't think there's much value in columns after games, and so I I really am able to spend time um, talking to people after after games rather than just like rushing um, to to go file something really quickly that's just going to blend in with what everybody else is filing from the same game. And so, um, you know, you, you get the time to, to talk to Rick and you get time to talk to Cal and you get time to go really like talk with Willie Colley Stein. And Rick Barnes was like, I don't want to say he was giddy because he's not about moral victories, but like he was completely cool. Like, you know, like, hey, <laughs> like basically you're making Texas fans so angry by saying this, but no, it's, a, it's, no. a rel- it's like a, it's a legit reaction. From right, right. Like he was like, no, he, like he didn't. But there was not any of that, like, uh, you know, what a opportunity we wasted or we've got to be better. Or he was just like, if, if you could read his mind, I think it would have read this way. Eh, 
we did about all we could do there. You know, like yeah, I, I think we did about. I think about we did all about I all we could do. I think that was your Larry David. But. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, I think it was too. <laughs> if you could read his mind, it'd be like that's about as good as it gets pretty, for us in this game. Pretty, 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 pretty yeah. good. Yeah, and so um, and like even afterward, um, I ended up one of my buddies um, is is buddies with a bunch of Texas fans, and they had uh, flown in from like. Yeah, I think Chicago. They live live in Chicago. Some of them do, and so they'd flown in from Chicago, like private plane, like those types of guys, right? And I uh, ended up out with them that night. This is the other thing about not writing game columns. You can get out of the arena like way earlier than you normally could, and so um, you, I ended out out with these guys, and they were all like, you know, like there was none of that. We're a top ten team, and we had them. What happened in the second half? Like it was, they were all like, yeah, you know, we kept it pretty close. That was pretty good. You know, I like, I like the team. Like every, it's weird. <laughs> it's weird to like lose by double digits when you're a top ten team and like feel good about it. But I got that from, I got that sense from Rick. I got that sense from, uh, from my uh, Texas buddies and uh, who were just a trip, by the way. Like how about this, I tweeted this the other night. So we're at, we're at some bar. You know, like it just, you know, and we're in a college town, so like we're the oldest dudes. I, how about this, in my group. I was like the second youngest guy there and I'm 37. So, you know, we were, we were the oldest guys in, in, in everywhere we went. And so, um, but we, we didn't act like it. We were having a good time. And so, uh, so at Don't one get fired, GP. At, no, 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 no. It's nothing crazy. Um, but at one, so at one point, one of my buddies, um, he, he, this, this guy walks in the bar, like Kentucky fans are the best, man. Cause they, like they wear, Kentucky stuff I think seven days a week it's not they don't just wear it to the games like I think they wear it to church like they wear it um yeah. everywhere they like I I swear I can be just randomly like anywhere in the country and it, they'll just be somebody wearing a Kentucky shirt man they just love to wear Kentucky stuff and so needless to say on a night after a basketball game it's everybody's wearing Kentucky stuff and this young guy college guy I guess walks into the bar and he's got the most ridiculous like hideous like um I love Big Blue Nation coat you've ever seen in your life. Like it's got um, like patches for all of the national championships. Oh, I mean, it is everything, right? Why do people like uh, that? I mean, Cowboy fans will have that. You'll see Niner fans because with those multiple. I don't know how. People like I see people wear that unironically. How do you possibly <laughs> think that looks good? <laughs> no, then, like, no, no, like a three-week period in like 1992, that was a cool look. No, my uh, no, this guy like, and it was like the real shiny blue, you know, with all the like, pe- oh, you know, God. national championship. Just like okay, so this guy was wearing it uh, unironically. Like he really like loved this jacket, and, but my buddy thought it was the funniest jacket he's ever seen in his life, and he had to own it. So he he he, he walks over to this college guy and he says, um. <laughs> He says, hey, man, like, um, you know, I, I, I really dig your jacket. And he's like, thank you. And he says, um, I would like to own your jacket. Like, could I buy your jacket from you? And he's like, well, you know, I, this is like my jacket. Like, I, um, you know, I, no, it's not for sale. He said, everything is for sale. How much will you take for the jacket? And the guy was like, ah, three, if I hand you three $100 bills, can I have that jacket? <laughs> and, uh, and the kid's like, what? He's like, you, you, I'll give you three $100 bills. That's $300. And I would, and I would like to have your jacket for the rest of my life. And uh, the kid, and like the kid was like, "Are you being?" He thought he was just like being serious. But this guy is a guy who like owns a private plane, so he was being dead serious. He will, he will gladly pay three hundred dollars for um, anything, <laughs> including a coat. And so um, he goes. Um, so the guy's girlfriend's like, "You gotta sell the guy. You gotta sell that man as your coat." So so we purchased um, a, a that that hideous Kentucky coat, and he wore it out. 
he wore it out with him the, the, the rest of the night. And that was just the beginning of, of what turned into a mess. At one point, we um, were debating. This was a serious conversation debated among the group. We were either about to go to a sorority party we just got invited to. No. I vetoed that really quickly. I said, listen, I am I am still sober enough at this moment to recognize absolutely nothing good can, can come of us doing that. So let's let's think it shut through. It down. Yeah. yeah. I let's shut let's just end that one right. Or we were going to take a uh, we were gonna take the the plane to Las Vegas. <laughs> they, they were they were ready to go. So, so Norlander, you know, we you went to Hakkasan with us, didn't you, out at the oh, MGM? Oh yes. Okay, so one of the guys in the group was like, um, Something about Hakkasan. Like, he's going to Hakkasan next weekend or something. I was like, yo, like, we partied there a couple times. Like, it's a, it's a good spot. Like, um, like we've had a really good time there. And somebody else was like, what, what's, what, what's Hakkasan? And, um, and, you know, so then we start, and, the, and then somebody, like, is like, yeah, y'all want to go now? And it's like, well, like, how, and then you remember, they, like, they have a plane. Like, you could really just go right now if you wanted to. So we ended up vetoing all of that um, and just eating, like, uh, triple cheeseburgers and having milkshakes at something called Tally Ho or Tally Ho or something like that. And then we called it a night. But um, I, I did witness a man purchase the uh, the most embarrassing Kentucky okay. coat in the history so, of the world for $300. Here, here's what's going to happen, okay? Mm-hmm. We're going we're gonna, to, we're gonna, you know long, long boil this narrative. This guy lives in Chicago, the right. Final Four is in Indianapolis, so you're going to get this guy to come to the Final Four Oh, these, four are, these are all my guys now. I don't want to say their names because I don't want like, people I, that's to Google and stuff. You've got to get this guy no, he's to come my to the Final Four in April. All these guys you have to wear man. the jacket. We have to take a picture of it in the last podcast of the season. The teaser photo will be you in the jacket, and we will reference this podcast. If the Wildcats win the this national championship, yes, 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 there you go. I will wear the, uh, the, the ridiculous Kentucky jacket um, after wherever we end up on that Monday night after the national championship game. Love it. Okay. Deal? Deal? All yes, right. That's awesome. the deal. Like <laughs> Remember, today's Eye on College Basketball podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, where you can easily create your own professional website or online portfolio. Squarespace is now redesigned with the Squarespace 7 interface, including integration with Google Apps, partnership with Getty Images, 15 new templates and cover pages, and Squarespace has an amazing support team available 24 hours a day. Seven days a week. Everything starts at just $8 a month. That includes a free domain name if you sign up for a year. And every design automatically includes a unique mobile experience that matches the overall style of your website. So your content will look great on every device every time. Start a free trial. No credit card required. Uh, get to building your website today. That's uh, squarespace.com. Use the offer code FUN to get 10% off and to show your support for the Eye on College Basketball podcast. That's Squarespace. Start here go anywhere. Okay, let's get some news and notes presented by Squarespace. Sam, I know you're working on a piece about the American Athletic Conference, maybe being a one-bid uh, one league. Preview that piece for me. Is that a likely deal? You predicting it right now? I don't know that I would predict it right now, but I do think that there is a chance that this is what happens. It's That league right now, I don't know if they have any quality wins. They're ninth right now in Ken Palm. They, I mean, SMU's win over Wyoming might be its best win. Can either of you guys think of no. A better win than I, that? I, I know Memphis that. doesn't have one. Y- Certainly Yale, not Memphis. Yale won at Connecticut on Saturday or Friday night. Yeah. Friday, Friday night. Saturday? Yes. Friday Connecticut night. beat Dayton. Yes. Is that, that might be the league's best win right Dayton. now. Yeah. Like, right. it's it's a really, really down league this year. Every team, except for Cincinnati, uh, Houston, and Tulane, who none of them have really played anyone, has three losses, I believe. Um Memphis, uh, we've talked enough about Memphis on this podcast, I think. They're I just a mess right we've now. We've never talked enough about Memphis on this podcast. No, just <laughs> um, SMU, SMU is going to get Marcus Kennedy back. Um, they might be able to make a run in the 
AAC. Maybe they end up like 14 and two or something. Or no, they play, they play uh, 18, don't they? So maybe like 15 and three in the league once they get Kennedy back. And that could be enough to get them into the tournament after a bad non-conference. Uh, Connecticut, I don't know what's going on with Connecticut. Um, Norlander, you might be able to help out because you've seen them a couple times. Connecticut almost got off uh, because NJIT won at Michigan. So that was the big upset everyone was talking about. But really, Yale won over Connecticut for the first time since Calhoun's first year at UConn back in 86. And by the way, the same spot where Texas had beaten UConn in its previous game at home. Uh, I mean, listen, it, it was it was never going to be easy. And Boatwright was in that game coming off a sprained ankle. Rodney Purvis to come back from a high ankle sprain. So, you know, their two best backcourt players were back in that game. They lost 45-44. They don't look good. Uh, Mita Brima, their big man, said, told the media afterward. I wasn't there, but I'm going off of reports, you know, that he basically said, listen, the the vibe in the locker room right now is, is definitely not what it was for most, if not all, of last year. Some of that's probably, you know, because Ryan Boatwright is not Shabazz Napier. And, you know, we shouldn't expect them to be. But UConn was the team that I thought would actually win this league with a little bit of comfort. And now I'm I'm definitely doubting that to a degree. If we had to pick right now, I would actually change to SMU. I still think both those teams will get in the tournament. But uh, but overall, UConn's just got a lot of uh, things to figure out right now. And in its situation down low, I think just the guys aren't. They aren't blooming as well as they should, as fast as they should. And Kevin Ollie, you know, this he wants challenges. He's good at them, but this is a, this is certainly a big one right now. You shouldn't be losing to a good Yale team. I mean, relatively speaking, second best team to Harvard in the Ivy. You can't be losing 45-44 at home. No, and no, no. Here's the other thing with with SMU. Like, do they have to beat Michigan to have a shot at an at large? There is nothing you quote have to do in December that. To, I mean, yeah. Sure you get a, a right. If hypothetically you right. ran, you lost two league games, you'd have an at large. If if but yeah. you know, you, that's just projecting out to the to the wildest variance there. But I, uh, I will say this: um, I I would probably still pick SMU to win the uh, league, but nobody's good enough in that league to go fifteen and three. I don't think. I don't think so. Either. I don't think so either. You're the one that said it, Sam. <laughs> I said like reasonably. They, could, I mean, maybe it might happen. But like, <laughs> Sam's that, arguing with himself at, at this point. That was a good. That was a good one. <laughs> Uh, and not too I much. mean, I said, like Norlander said, I said the widest variant possible. Not too much interesting over the next uh, few days, really. I think that we start to get in this like two week period where people are having finals now. Um, but but like Louisville at Indiana, uh, that's t- is that tomorrow night? Yeah. Or no, it's Tuesday uh, yeah. night. It's Tuesday night. I'll be there. Yeah, it's Tuesday night. Louisville at Indiana. Why are you going to Louisville at Indiana? It's no, no. It's MSG. Jimmy oh, v. they're playing. Oh, it's Jimmy V. Okay. There we go. Yeah. So that's okay. Illinois, Villanova, and then Louisville, Indiana. So that's the doubleheader at the Garden. I got you. So what? Tom Crean get a signature win there, Norlander? What do you think? <laughs> I mean, if he, if Indiana win, maybe no matter what Indiana does, I'll end up writing on it. Uh, I would think that Louisville is going to win that game going away um maybe they can keep it i want to see you know james blackman jr for indiana he's been terrific so far one of the best freshmen in the country i think louisville's got way way too much but if Crean does get that win um some mea couples might have to come here in the short term because you know obviously we've spoken plenty about iu on the podcast and the in the preseason, and then, you know, they really had one of the worst losses of anyone this season when they dropped it to Eastern Washington, uh, who had never won a game in front of more than 10,000 people. That was the 
craziest stat I think I heard in the wake of that. But that's their only loss so far. So with that, all right. I mean, did they lose? No, they're seven and one. Yeah, I didn't know mm-hmm. if they lost uh, seven one Saturday, but they they played Savannah State and romped them. So if they if they do beat Louisville, they'll be eight and one and in a really good spot at that point. But I don't. I don't think that's going to happen. I'm expecting Louisville to win by about 15 points. Norlander, I think it was you earlier in this podcast, said every year there's like a team that, you know, basically returns most of the important pieces from the previous year where they were pretty good and they just go the wrong way for whatever reason. Um, We were talking about Kansas State in that regard. Is Nebraska another one? Uh, They took their second loss tonight. So now they've got a loss at Rhode Island and they've got a a home loss tonight. to Creighton, which Creighton seems to be better than most anybody thought it would. But still, um, are we finding out that Nebraska, um, though a great story last year to make the NCAA tournament, was just a borderline tournament team that is still just a borderline tournament team? Could be the situation here. First of all, they're shaking in their boots playing Incarnate Word next. And by the way, Incarnate Word is 5-0. and One of those games has come against the D1 team. So they're really a 1-0 and team for all intents and purposes. <laughs> uh yeah, I, I, I faded Nebraska a little bit coming in. I picked them sixth in the Big Ten. I think that's about what they are. I'm a huge uh, Shields fan. I mean, Taron Petaway is, is probably the best player on the team, but Shields has got to be right behind him in that regard. How much of a bench are they really going to have this year? And listen, I don't know if I can really expect them to take a big jump in scoring because they didn't have it last year. They haven't really shown it yet this year. I still think they're going to get to the tournament, but I don't know if it's going to be clear cut until maybe those final two weeks or so. They, I think they are a candidate because they're also going to be, in my opinion, maybe Sam has a thought on this because he uh, he's an Ohio State graduate and knows his league well, but... I would I would clump these teams together right now, uh, trying to forecast. I would say Iowa, Illinois, Minnesota, Indiana, maybe, and Nebraska. I would put them all below Wisconsin, Michigan State, Michigan, and Ohio State. So maybe draw a line there, and then the next group there. I think they're all, and Maryland definitely deserves a mention at 8-1 and one so far. I don't think all those teams are going to make the tournament, um, and they could beat up on each other there, and within that, Nebraska could kind of get lost in the mud. Let me ask yeah. Go ahead. No, go ahead, Sam. Uh, yeah, I think that's right, pretty much. Um, Nebraska, their problem is they have no secondary scoring outside of Shields and Petaway. They can't, they can't rely on any of Pitchford, Rivers, Webster to consistently create offense for them. Like they're they're going to be a fine defensive team this year, but they got to get someone else, just a third guy that they can sometimes shoulder the load at least. And we'll wrap it up with this. Let me ask you guys a very simple question. If we had to give away a Player of the Year award right now, who would get it? Mm, whoa. Um, that is a good... Like, nobody has just, like, really, like, become a... Uh, I, I think you could ask that to three different people and get three different answers, whereas... Can't last... say, like, I can't say Okafor yet. Well, let me run like, some numbers been... for you. Frank, well, how about this? He's a uh, top, top two or three team in the country, yeah. averaging 17 and 8. Okay, uh, Frank Kaminsky's getting sixteen and nine. Stanley Johnson's getting fourteen and six at Arizona. Montrez Harrell sixteen and nine at Louisville. I, I like it. Nobody's run away with it, but Okafor makes as much sense right now. As I guess he else. does, but that's the whole. Like, I, I still think he's got some monster games coming. Uh, if by default right now we're twenty two days into the season, mm-hmm. we haven't had a runaway. Did I can't write. last year? I mean, Parker was pretty awesome early. Parker was awesome early. McDermott was awesome from start. McDermott, yeah, McDermott, I mean, came out roaring. Julius Randle was awesome early, too, I remember. He was awesome early. Right. Yeah, we haven't had, hmm, Sam, you got any nominees? I think it's, I think it's probably Okafor. I think that he and 
Kaminsky have been the two pretty clear. What's crazy though uh, is like guys that honestly, stood out to me, but like, and I don't think this would be lip service. I honestly think if you asked Rzeszewski right now, he'd say it's Quinn Cook, okay, because of what Quinn Cook's like been playing out of his mind. And Winslow has looked awesome at time. I would still take 0-4 over either of those guys. Point is, Duke is just so damn good so far that they've proven that they've got really good options in a lot of different ways. So it's not like Okafor is just you know, by far been their best, you know, player. That's yeah. And, uh, you know, I mentioned earlier that I had uh, asked a, a, a bookmaker, a former bookmaker, like for a hypothetical line on Kentucky Duke neutral court right mm-hmm. now, he said Kentucky would be about a four and a half point favorite. So the idea that like nobody can play with Kentucky, I think Kentucky's best is better than everybody else. But the yeah. idea that nobody can play with them, like that's just silly. Like, you know, I, I watched that. I, you know, in a span of three days, um, I watched I watched Duke in person and I watched Kentucky in person. And um, listen, put them on a neutral court tomorrow. I'd probably pick Kentucky, but they're Duke's the type of team that can beat them. Like, uh, like uh, no doubt sure. in my mind. Like they shoot it well enough. They've got a, they've got enough. Um, they they got it. They shoot it well enough. Um, they've got a pro center. Um, you know, they've got a lockdown defender on the wing. Like they've got a, a lot of really nice pieces. They, I, again, pick. I'll pick Kentucky right now, but that Duke team's good enough to, to, to beat them, whether it's um, you know in a Final Four national championship game or wherever they might hypothetically meet. I would think that's fair, and I think right yeah. now that's the only team I previously think we... Go ahead. No, I think ahead. they're the team that's best constructed to beat Kentucky, for sure. They are, and whereas previously I'd said, you know, put Kentucky, Wisconsin, Duke, Arizona, Gonzaga, then draw a line, I would definitely say Kentucky, Duke right now. Arizona just got to see more offensively. Uh, Gonzaga's still really good. Don't get me wrong. I, I still like those teams plenty. But I mean, what Duke did in going to Wisconsin and what Kentucky continues to do, I think you know people that follow the sport and just that just chose to tune in this past week because there were some really good games. I think we're all on the same page that it's right now. Those two are clearly separating themselves, and everyone wants to see that in March. Gonzaga's the other team that I could like, because like could maybe give. They've got the options. They've got the offense. They, they got. They have at every single level on the floor. Right. They've got a, a first option. In a lot of cases, they've got a second option, and they've got a guy who can hit a big shot. They right. got really more than one guy who can hit a big right. shot. So I would, I would not put it past Gonzaga to beat Kentucky. I Never would not mind. either. Okay. Well, we've kept you here long enough. Um, let's uh, wrap it up and. By reminding you to subscribe to the Ion College Basketball Podcast uh, over at iTunes. That's the best way to ensure you get the latest edition as quickly as possible. So go subscribe on uh, iTunes. And uh, short of that, we will talk to you again later on this week. Take care.